Are you tired of playing the same old games over and over again? Are you looking to spice up your game night with creative new ideas? Look no further because we're here to add some excitement back into your game night. We'll even show you how to take your love of games outside the confines of the living room. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. In this episode, we start the year off with an appetite for games based upon food. Then in the escape room report, we become renaissance people as we solve the mystery of Da Vinci's secret from 60 out. We have the debut of a new segment with our friend Chris with the Kickstarter Corner, where we discuss what board games on Kickstarter to look forward to in the new year. Also, we share our Friday favorites, and finally, Lauren explains her recent absences in podcasting. Happy New Year, Lauren! Happy New Year! So, it is a new year, it is a new series of game nights we're mm-hmm. looking forward to, yeah. so let's talk about what we're bringing to game night. I'll go first. Okay. Um, for the holidays, especially for New Year's Eve, we actually had some people over, some of our regular friends, to do uh, kind of a midnight gaming party. You know, they came over around like, what, two or three, something like that? Yeah. And then we pretty much played uh, board games until midnight, and then we had our little celebratory toast. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Um, but what Then we fa- did the adult thing of wash dishes and go to bed. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but no, it was fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, with our new house, it was nice to have an extra room for them to crash in. Yeah, so we didn't have to worry about them driving and stuff like that. I mean, we did have some alcoholic beverages, but, like, not enough that we were, like, sloshed or buzzed at all. But yeah, I think the it's thing the is... Other people exactly, I'm worried about. It's the other it's people. It's the other people. You worry about the other people that they might encounter on the road. Yeah. So it was nice to be able to have that. You know, mm-hmm. the next morning I woke up, we made breakfast burritos. Yeah, was... we hung out and played some more games, actually. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> well, because we've been playing through that pandemic season zero for, uh, like, which is a, a year and a half yeah, now. No, and it's, it's a killer game. But we made good progress. We did, like, two, yeah. maybe three months in that. But we. the problem is also we've, like... We're so convinced that we did something wrong because we keep looking. Wait, where is this rule? Like, well, we yeah, we definitely like forgot to open something at one point or something. We did we did do something wrong. We just don't know what. But I think the only problem I have, especially with this one, like I like Pandemic. Don't get Mm -hmm. me wrong, and I I love it. I liked the other Legacy one we went through. Yeah, um, I kind of want to go through that again. No, we did season season one. one. We have not done season Um, two. The, my only problem with this new one is, I mean, obviously it plays very different than Pandemic. Very different. I'll, I'll tell this. I think it's an okay spoiler to say this. It doesn't start off with diseases. It starts off with Cold War spies. Yeah, which so is So there's a lot of cool. like, you know, Soviets versus capitalists versus neutral parties. But there's, there's maybe just like one too many things going on. Yeah. Um, And also I feel like it kind of like people get frustrated and annoyed with it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I don't like that. Like, I don't like that everyone's frustrated and annoyed, you know? So then, like, I'm kind of like, uh, you know. Well, one of our friends looked it up, and they said that apparently a lot of people online agreed that this is the best worst game. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it is so darn hard. Yeah, It is, like, there's... impossible at some points to do what you need to do. Yeah. And then there's, like, at one point, like, we didn't know what these symbols were, and there was no explanation, and, like, mm-hmm. our friend had to look it up. So it's kind of like... Maybe you guys rushed this, or maybe you didn't play tested enough, or something. You know. Yeah, I, yeah. It was, you know, and then also you have these. At one point, you have this thing that's almost like a lottery scratcher, mm-hmm. but like we it's were accidentally scratching through the paper, and a lot of people were saying that. So yeah, you know, it's it's a fantastic idea, and I don't fault the game for those tiny little things. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that I wish at least. <sighs> it may have been a little too ambitious, or maybe yeah, I think too, too rushed or something. No, I don't think it's too rushed. I think. They were trying to top themselves so much over what they did the first two times. Yeah. That I think you're right. I think you hit it there. It's too ambitious. Yeah. You know? 
But anyways, what I'm bringing to game <laughs> is um, a, a new recipe that I found um, online for chocolate chip cookie milk shooters. <laughs> you were so excited. I was so excited. So what you do, guys, is you get your chocolate chip cookie recipe. Anyone will do. Um, and I have a few modifications. You can find this online. I found on the website All Recipes. Mm -hmm. But they have a whole bunch of them anywhere. And they always say, get a bunch of... Uh, like mini muffin tins and you put the dough in there uh you know and then you bake that and as soon as it comes out you kind of press your thumb down or a spoon down to like make a well you let it cool and then you pour melted chocolate into there let that cool and then you essentially have like a kind of cup with the chocolate that's going to hold the milk so you yeah. can pour your milk into there it's like a little shot glass and then you can have your milk and cookie at the same time you came up with a better idea because my execution wasn't quite there what we should do is take the tin, flip it over. So that way the, the cup is wider. Yeah. And you can control the shape of it a bit more. And then you can have an easier time actually getting that good cup shape to mm -hmm. it. And also I think when you do the... Because my other mistake was I mixed chocolate chips in with the cookie dough. Uh -huh. So there was kind of chocolate as part of the structural integrity of the cup. And it's not supposed to be part of the outside integrity. It's supposed to be the inside. Oh, so okay. I think if you do this... Just make regular chocolate chip cookies, but don't put the chips in for the dough. Make your cups. Use the chips for the melted part. Because yeah. I kind of halved and halved it. Mm -hmm. So, But that's what I'm bringing to game that. I'm going to bring a better version of my, <laughs> of my uh, shooter. I think it's worth trying again. I really <laughs> do. How about you? Um, well, I am playing. No, I'm playing. I am bringing um, a new player to game. Ooh. Game. Although they won't be able to probably play games for a while, unfortunately. Guys. Why is that? Um, because they're going to be a baby. What? <laughs> so if you listen to Moral Combat, our other podcast, or if you follow us on social media, you may already know, but we are expecting a baby this summer. Expecting, but who knows if they'll show up or not. <laughs> Babies are very tardy. Well, and... and that's also why I'm just saying summer rather than the actual due date, because it's. I kind of want to laugh every time someone asks me my due date, because I'm like, well, when do you actually ever have your baby on I've never date? known a baby to keep their calendar appointments. Yeah, and, and I think both of us were early, so I'm like, you know. <laughs> yeah, for different reasons, but yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we're told summer, it might be late spring. <laughs> we, oh, God, let's hope not. <laughs> you, I'm just saying, you don't know. If it follows its parents' trends. I don't want it to be too early, and I don't want it to be too late. Let's... We have too much stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so, hooray. Mm -hmm. um, that's also why a few times you were not here on this podcast, because that was in the early stages of it, and you just were not feeling up for any yeah, kind of it talking. Is, it's hard to, like, get your, especially in the beginning, and I didn't know this, like, I'm finding out a lot about pregnancy, I think. Most of what I knew about pregnancy, being that I don't have any sisters, I right. have brothers, um, is like based on TV and TV is not <laughs> accurate. Um, so like, just, I didn't know, like I knew pregnant women got tired, but I didn't know they got tired in the beginning. It's I thought, real. I thought it's it was, real. Yeah. Like, I thought it was like later on when, yeah, like obviously you're carrying this huge baby in your stomach. Like, yeah, that's gotta be tiring. But like, but like it, early on when it's like the size of a pea, it's still killing you. Yeah. I was like exhaustion. Like you wouldn't believe, like I was taking full on like hour, you know, hour, two no, hour naps. You were, you were taking no, a second I mean, sleep at some point. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, like I would get off work and then immediately lay down and take a nap like until you got home and I got off at four and you don't get home until six. Yeah. 
And then we would eat dinner and do the evening. And then I would go to bed and immediately fall asleep, which is also rare for me. Yeah. Hopefully this will help you with that. I know, right? So, yeah. So the exhaustion was real. And so it made it really hard to want to um, perk up and even talk podcasts. Not that we don't love podcasting. So is that morning sickness, huh? That's pretty real, too. That's pretty real, too. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) you also had, like, no appetite for the first uh, trimester. Mm. You were kind of starting to enter the second one officially, I think. So... That's why the reason for the theming for this uh, episode, since you're entering your second trimester and getting your appetite and your cravings, the theming for this episode is games about food. <laughs> so, Lauren, since um, since you are uh, playing for two now, mm-hmm. I will let you have the first dibs of this smorgasbord of games to choose from. Well, I had, you know, as soon as we thought of this theme, I my favorite food-related game is um, Sushi Go. Now, that's funny because you're <laughs> yeah. pregnant. But at the same time, uh, when we first met with our doctor, mm-hmm. she was like, listen, I'm European. If you want to have a little bit of sushi or a little glass of wine every rare now and then, it's okay. And yeah. Like, oh, I, wow. think, I think basically what we've heard is that a lot of the kind of old wives tales of what you can and can't eat they're not necessarily true anymore i think they would just be overly cautious they're being overly cautious and a lot of it was a fear of um i think it's particularly with sushi a lot of it was a fear of getting food poisoning while Mm -hmm. you're pregnant um and so they're kind of like you know don't overdo it and like maybe don't go to like some weird sushi place that you've never been before you know so we we've had a little bit but very mild i you know one i haven't had any appetite so you know, it's not like I'm going to go and gorge myself on sushi anyway. Right. Um, but Sushi Go, it's always a game that, like, as soon as we play it, I'm like, now I want sushi. Like, and we have one time we actually played it while eating sushi. And that was the best, wasn't it? <laughs> I still say we should play it where, like, we order all the things there. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we'll, we'll, because Sushi Go Party, mm-hmm. specifically, that's the better version because you can actually change the game format game to game. And they have recommendations yeah. for what you can and cannot put in the game. Um, that you can have like that limited option of like a menu, so you can be like, okay, guys, today we're eating dumplings, eel, and miso soup. Let's go! Yeah. Like you know, it would be a great one to actually take to one of those conveyor belt sushi places. Yes, actually, it would be because this uh, the entire idea of this is that it's on a it's conveyor belt. It's a conveyor belt. belt. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is one of those games too that so there's just the regular sushi go, and then there's sushi go party. Own both copies. Like we own both. Well, Sushi copies. Go is small and can fit in your pocket. Exactly, it's a really good travel game. And then when you don't need it, need it to travel, and you want to maybe play with a bigger group or you want some variety, you bust out Sushi Go Party, um, and you have kind of the same game, but like with a lot of um, different elements and um, you know more things to do. So um, I think owning both copies is like you know most games i wouldn't say like if they have multiple versions just own one but this one own both (laughs) well usually for different versions of different game or the same game Mm -hmm. there's some new thing with the second version and this one like we said the sushi go party gives you a lot more options which Mm -hmm. is great but yeah you're right it is also still beneficial to have sushi go original because of its portability yeah so that's an excellent choice Mm -hmm. an excellent idea i would have before you said that, I would have been the guy who's like, don't even bother with Sushi Go. Mm-hmm. Just get party because it's more. But sometimes weight and size does matter. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And for the smaller one. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think Sushi Go is a good, um, not to make a pun here, but it's a good appetizer if you're not certain about the game. 
if you get it and you find yourself playing a lot, mm. think about maybe upgrading to Sushi Go Party at some point. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a good way to kind of test yourself. And it's also good because it's one of those ones that's perfectly balanced whether you're doing two or whether you're doing eight. Yeah. You know, sure. like no matter how many players you have, it's equally balanced mm-hmm. because it's all about taking a card passing your hand to the left it's also a fast game so it's good for that kind of casual gamer or little party game when you're playing maybe with people who aren't necessarily big gamers yeah in fact i'm planning to start a little gaming group with some friends at work soon Uh and this is one of the ones i was eyeing as an introductory game because a lot of them are going to be kind of what you were thinking when we first started dating of like oh board games are just like monopoly yeah exactly like i roll the dice and i go dink 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 Mm -hmm. with my little pawn but like this is different yes you do have the little pawns but yeah it's it's a different game format and someone out there actually sells little uh like sushi wait do they yeah and i kind of want to get them we need to get those (laughs) because this is this is one of your favorites yeah uh, one that I particularly, uh, I discovered this recently and I'm really upset that I don't have it. And I really want it because <laughs> I, it looks so good. I've heard so of good. it. I've heard of it multiple times. It I looks just so never... good and the theming is like perfect. It is called New York Slice and I am now in love with this game. So like <laughs> even the box itself looks like a pizza box. It opens like that. So like uh-huh. how fantastic is that? The, the way that you play this game is you have these cardboard perfect slices of pizza, but they all have different... Uh, uh, what am I looking for? Toppings mm-hmm. on them, and some of them will have just pepperoni and cheese. Some of them will have like the works. Some of them will have like more like a vegetarian thing. Some of margarita pizza. Some of them even have anchovies on them. And it's all about kind of set collecting. Like I want to have the most three pepperoni pizza mm-hmm. slices versus that. And it's it's interesting because what it is is you put all the pizza together randomly into mm-hmm. one slice into one pie, and then one person. This cuts it up three times, or as many players as uh-huh. there are, and then everyone else picks the slices that you've made, and whoever cut it picks last. So it's kind of like that sword crafters game, uh-huh. where it's one person dividing, and you have to kind of be strategic. Like I want this, so how do I make this particular thing the least attractive? Yeah. So that other people go for the other things. You know, like I know Lauren is trying to collect the pineapple, so I'll put. A, a big thing of pineapple over there, so she clearly won't want the the mushrooms over Which here. Which I want, yeah. Right. So I think it's a fantastic game. So, and what's also cool is they even have like special cards, which are like bonuses that you can get of like, oh, you are the vegetarian, so you want to collect the you know all of the um of the like veggies or like non meat ones. Or they even have ones like in here anchovies are supposed to be bad. They're supposed to be negative points. Mm-hmm. But there's a random special card that can come up that says for you anchovies are good points. Mm-hmm. Oh suddenly now I want the anchovies. But my favorite thing out of all of it, the absolute stroke of genius that puts this game over the top is the scoring pad. Mm-hmm. The scoring pad it literally looks like a guest check that the waiter would write out. <laughs> where it actually has like the little lines you can tally up like what your total was with a little pencil that you can rip it off and hand it to the guy. How amazing is that? <laughs> you can write me a check for what my points are. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love this game so much. I, I'm so furious I don't have it on my shelf right now. To just <laughs> This is the kind of game, honestly, I would get out and just look at. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like the art on it is really good. It actually looks delicious. Mm-hmm. I, I've never had anchovies in my life. I kind of want to try them now just because they, they look kind of good there, you know? And I'm seeing like uh, pepperoni with like banana peppers on it. 
oh my god, I want that so much now. Can we go get, we just ate dinner now, but I kind of want to go get a second dinner right now. But that's going to be New York Slice. Um, I think kind of going along theme, um, this is one we've talked about before because um, we played this at the last um, board gaming convention we went to, and it was one that we just sort of fell in love with. Um, and had to get right away, and that is Burger Up. That's another really well-themed one, yeah. Really well-themed. Also, it's one of these games that is deceptively easy. Like, it looks super easy, and, and it is. It's really easy to explain to people, but it's deceptively hard, I should say. Yeah. Like, it looks easy, but it's actually really difficult. Um, and it's all about creating, like, the perfect burgers. Um, and you get these cards that will um, tell you, okay, I'm looking for... Um, a, a burger that it needs to have these ingredients and it needs to be this size or maybe it'll be a burger that's like this is a vegetarian burger so we, we want pineapple but we don't want any meat no or meat. something yeah. like that um and you're trying you each card that has the ingredients for the burger that you guys are fighting over and stuff they um they have two sides to them so it'll be like um, a chicken patty and a sauce or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you have to choose which one you put on your burger, but whichever one you don't choose, that dictates what the next item is you have and to put on. And that's what the hardest part to wrap your mind around yeah. is, I need to put down this lettuce because mm -hmm. I need vegetarian, but I can't put this one down because the next one then would have to be a meat bun or a meat product. Yeah, or, and I'm trying to do the vegetarian. Yeah, or, you know, strategically, I know this one is lettuce and meat, but... Um, I know that there's a I have a veggie burger option in my hand, so that's how I'm going to be able to put this veggie burger. Or it could just be none of my because you could put down three cards in your turn. It could be none of my cards can combo off each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No matter how I do this, nothing's going. I I can only put down one card. Uh -huh. So they do have other ingredients in the middle that you can buy, you know, and you do get paid based upon how well you make your hamburger and how big it is and things like mm -hmm. that. Uh, and my favorite thing, and I just wish they had more, is the toppers. Because they have such fun images and ideas for the toppers. Like, they uh -huh. have, like, the the Western cowboy, where it's got, like, a little, like, Stetson hat <laughs> yeah. on it, you know. Or they have, like, a Metasaurus Rex, his little dinosaur on there. And even some of the, like, some of the burgers uh, that they look for, you know, some are, like, like, one is, like, you have to get all perfect ingredients. And mm -hmm. you're, like, oh, this is so hard. Or one you need two of every ingredient or something like yeah. that. And like that's really hard to do. Um, so it is a very challenging game, but it's a lot of fun. And it's it's a good one that you can play with like two or more. Like it, it doesn't, I don't feel like it gets, it's not as hard or not as fun if you play it with two, you know? No, I think it's just as fine either mm -hmm. way. The only thing I wish is that they had another expansion for this because they do have one that goes into a bit more of like world cuisine. Which will warn you is very hard to find. Yeah, I, as far as I know, I bought the last copy on Amazon a while yeah. ago. But yeah, I think this game was originally from Australia, and it, I think they only did like one printing, so it is a little bit difficult to to get. But it's fantastic. Um, I I just like I said, I wish I could find out how to. I wish I was more artistic. I guess that's what I'm saying because I would like to create new burger toppers. Uh -huh. I have ideas of other ones you could do. Yeah. And it's just, I would want that to be able to fit with the like artistic visual look of the rest of the game. But I could always just do custom ones myself, I suppose. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just such a fun game. And like, as soon as we played it at the Dice Tower, I'm like, I have to buy this game. Yeah. It's, it's going to happen. <laughs> um, for me, another one that I really want to talk about, um, I guess I'm just on a pizza kick right now, <laughs> uh, is called Pizza Theory. 
this game uh, is another one I discovered that is so amazing and like kind of also scratches that strategy itch mm -hmm. for me because I'm a big strategy gamer ever since like 1995 when I was playing Warcraft 2 on the computer. Um, so what it is, is this is meant for two or three players. So it's one of those weird games that only has a limited number of players that can go for it. Mm -hmm. And you essentially have the red team, the green team, and the white team where they have the different... Uh, toppings like the white team is garlic mushrooms uh, onion cheese the green team is going to be like jalapenos chives uh, basil broccoli the red team is going to be peppers pepperoni things like that mm -hmm. you know so you put out the ingredients randomly onto the pizza and everybody has a stick that represents their team so like if you're the green team you have your green stick and along the pizza there is three sides, the first side for the first cut, the second side for the second cut, and the third side for the third cut. And there's the numbers one through six. If you are going first, Lauren, you have to stick to the first side and you have to decide numbers one through six, where do I put my stick? Because that'll perfectly divide up the slice, the pizza into left and right. Mm -hmm. And then I have to put my stick on that now divides it into quarters in some way. And then a third person puts their stick on that divides it into sixths. Then, after all that's done, you take a look at each little zone that you've created mm -hmm. and say, what color is the most dominant in this zone? And whatever color it is, that color now takes over the other ingredients that were not that color. So in the example you can see here, there's a whole bunch of white in this section. Yeah. There's two reds and a green. Those two reds and a green would now become white. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like an area of control. Where like I'm trying to say, no, this pizza's going to be this. Yeah. And you're saying, no, we want veggies. <laughs> So it's kind of cool how like you can keep like fighting back and forth over control of different territories and eventually you're trying to knock the other person out. Mm -hmm. I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, it's kind of like a give and take thing. So even if you feel like you're down and out with one good uh, slice, you can make a comeback. You know, the only thing I can see down about this game is that potentially you could stalemate out. Mm -hmm. If like if everyone's equally good, yeah, you can just keep going. Depending back on how the random placement turns mm -hmm. out, I do know that it does eliminate itself out. You can see there's some ingredients missing mm -hmm. over time; those get removed for different reasons. But like, yeah, you know, it's it's just interesting on how this game is one of those ones that, and we've talked about before the idea of if a player gets so far behind, they might get demoralized. Mm -hmm. This one, you're always in it until you're out. Yeah. You know, so like, don't feel like you're completely down now just because you're two ingredients down. Like, you still have a chance. It just depends on how it gets cut. Do you have one more, or do you want to call it? A uh, sure. Um, so this one, I think we've also talked about a lot on this podcast. Um, but in terms of food, I think it's a, a perfect um, option, and that is uh, rival restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, with rival restaurants, you are the owner or operator of um, a small restaurant. Um, that has some specialization, be it Mexican food, Japanese food, so on. Um, and you are getting different um, menu items that you are going to make. And so you might pick up, um, say, flan, and you need um, milk and sugar um, in order to make that. And so you have to go to this like store um, and buy these ingredients. And these ingredients are kind of on this conveyor belt. So maybe sugar's not out yet, but you know that it will, will come out. Mm -hmm. Um, if you have the Mexican restaurant, you don't necessarily have to make Mexican cuisine, 
Um, but if you do, you'll get extra points for it. There's incentives, yeah. Yeah, there's also bonuses um, that you can get along the way that will help improve your score because each menu item will, will kind of give you a score. Um, but you can do things like, you know, have a, be a social media influencer and get extra points for things or be able to buy more things, um, get more money at the start of each turn. I always like when you get the cookbooks and then when mm-hmm. you pull a new recipe, you can choose which one you're going to get. Yeah, and just get a random, random draw. One. Yeah, exactly. That's super powerful. Um, and, you know, the where the, the kind of the ingredients are, those things are constantly refreshing. So it's kind of this constant battle to get the ingredients you want. You can only go to one um, kind of store um, per round. Mm-hmm. So that also, you know, you really have to kind of evaluate, okay, well, I know that I really need milk and there's one milk out, but it is at the end of the conveyor belt. So if I don't go and get it now, who knows when I'll see it yeah, again. Yeah, who knows when I will see milk again, so I need to prioritize going to the dairy store. Um, there's also other elements to this game, like you can be different chefs who have different powers. There are also um, different kind of calamity cards and things like that that will come out that might um, help your game or ruin your game. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to not play with those just because you know we find creating the food and kind of buying the ingredients... That's kind of the fun part for us. Yeah, and the other part, it's kind of more like sours the mood with it, like, it's a little oh take no, that. I've had this, and then it, it's Yeah, gone. it's a little take that, and I think just the nature of competing for the ingredients um, and competing against your your uh, fellow players and the game itself for the ingredients, that is kind of the fun part, mm-hmm. and that's challenging enough. Oh, I agree. Um, so we don't necessarily, you know, sometimes we will add some of the chefs in, but we don't usually do some of the other things. Um, and the game still works without them, so it's kind of up to you. Uh, take that games don't really work well with our group, so that's why we tend to avoid that kind of stuff. Um, people get feelings hurt um, yeah. easily, so we tend to kind of avoid those things. Um, but I just, I love making the different dishes. I think it's a lot of fun. I like the, the restaurant cards are so freaking cute. I know, we're looking at one right now for the Mexican restaurant, and it looks like a giant luchador with a sombrero on yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, really cute. It looks like a really cool, like, walk-up taco hut mm-hmm. kind of place, you know? Yeah, for sure. And they, they have all sorts of different restaurants. They had an expansion not too long ago that added a bunch of new ones, like a Jamaican restaurant was, and, yeah. like, um, a Peruvian restaurant and stuff like that. So it's just a really cute, uh, fun game. It is one of those games that if you, when you first look at it, you're going to be like, oh, this is a lot of pieces and elements. That's what I thought and, when we first saw it on the table. Yeah, like it looks scary when you first see it, but it really isn't that hard of a game. It's one that you can really easily teach people and they'll they'll pick up on quickly. This is another one I thought I'd introduce to my new gaming group as mm-hmm. a, you know, just kind of blow their minds like this is what games can be. Exactly, yeah. You know, I don't know, like maybe it is a bit too much for a brand new person, mm-hmm. but like if you can get them over that initial shock and awe of like, yeah. oh, there's so many tokens and cards and, and this, what's this little wheel spinner thing, you know, like I yeah. think if you just take the time, take the 20 minutes to be like, this is this and that is that. Mm-hmm. Um I think this is a fantastic uh, game to get someone hooked in the hobby. Yeah, for sure. So that was our games about food. Hope you're satisfied. <laughs> uh, and so now for another little tasty treat, let's go on to our escape room report. Okay, so we are continuing our saga that was, because mm-hmm. it's 2022 now, so our... Free time with 60 Out is over. Yes. But once again, thank you so much to 60 Out. You guys were wonderful for extending 
the time limit for us after the shutdown of the pandemic in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I won something and it's gone. Yeah, yeah, we were pretty <laughs> bummed. And we actually, you know, um, we we got to do a lot of rooms kind of right at the end too. Yeah. We were able to squeeze in more than we thought. And so. they were amazing with helping us through. Yeah. They were really responsive. The booking and, and everything and all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they were also flexible. Like when we went to go do our bachelor bachelorette party, mm-hmm. I said, can I take a, uh, you know, like a credit from one of the other rooms, like you pick and then like, she and I can do this one room back to back so that way we can like have competing times and mm. they were totally cool with it. They loved the idea. Yeah. So yeah. good on you guys. But today we're here to talk about Da Vinci's secrets. Mm-hmm. Now this is one that was interesting because we had never been to the 60 out location and we actually didn't do any of, I think they have other rooms there, but we haven't done they any were, of the other ones. When it came near the end of the year, we were like, we got to prioritize. Like yeah. which ones have we not done? that we like need to do because we were looking at the calendar and especially with the holiday season, it was getting busier and busier of like, uh-huh. we have to go see your parents. We have to go visit our friends to exchange gifts. We have mm-hmm. to go do this and that. It's like, we can't. Yeah, we can't. And also all. like, it's an hour drive out there. Yeah. And there was, um, I don't, not this day in particular, but there was one day that we went out to do some games on a Friday because of, I took mm-hmm. the day off. And coming home, we were stuck in traffic yeah. for like it's an hour forever. drive there. It's a three hour drive back. Yeah, and it was just like we can't we can't do this every weekend. It's exhausting. No. <laughs> so so we kind of prioritize, and this was an interesting theme. So it got yeah. near the top of the list, you know. Um, so yeah, so this one is you were in Leonardo da Vinci's recently rediscovered by archaeologist mm-hmm. um, lab. Uh, I guess. I, what would be the term for that? Where his little his his hangout, you his, know? Yeah, his study or something. His study. Okay, yeah. sure. Like I was like, his lab sounds too scientific. Yeah, and you're you're trying to figure out the secret that he left there or something. Right, and so it starts off with this nice kind of Renaissance looking room of like the stained glass windows. There's the Vitruvian Man, which is that man with his arms and legs uh-huh. outstretched to show like the circumference. Um, models of his flying machine all sorts of fun stuff yeah um and of course there are other rooms to this which we'll get into but let's talk about just the puzzles in general real quick yeah so this this is an older 60 hour room Mm -hmm. um and it definitely showed that that you know some of the puzzles were um a little maybe a little bit of logic leaps or a little kind of like oh like that's what we're supposed to do you know Um, and then there were a couple like red herrings in the room too. That was kind of frustrating because it it was like one of those things where you're like, it it seems like this should do something or go to something. Yeah. Um, we found something that looked like it had a magnet on the bottom of it. Yeah. So we're holding up to everything going like this magnet must activate something. Mm -hmm. And at the end the game master's like, no, that's just a thing that's there. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, one that kind of sticks out because we did do this a while ago was there was this one time where you're supposed to feel like heat on a wall. Oh yeah. And you were doing it and you're like, I don't feel it. Like I don't I don't know what they're talking about. Like I, I understand that I'm supposed to be feeling this heat, but I don't feel it. And I kind of just could visually tell where it was and I'm like, what about right here? And then you're like, oh because yeah. Because the wall was like slightly scorched where the heating pad was yeah. underneath. <laughs> um so yeah that was kind of weird. And even the the like some of the stuff it was like you would do it, but like it needed to be just slightly adjusted a little because it didn't quite hit the sensor, you know? Yeah, like there's this one thing where like I did the puzzle and then it says like perform this specific action. Uh-huh. And I did and nothing happened. And so I walked away for like eight minutes 
which in an escape room is like a fifth of your time mm-hmm. going like, I don't know, I don't know. And the game master's like, you should do that thing that you it said to do. I'm like, I did. <laughs> and it didn't happen. He goes, we'll try it again, but like maybe do it right this time. No, I'm kidding. He wasn't that saucy, but no. you know. It was like, I, I just, I, I did what it asked. Like, mm-hmm. sorry that I didn't do it to your specifications of like quantitatively, like how hard or soft or long or short you wanted me to do the thing. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, the room didn't have, like, it, it was a little, I don't want to say, I don't want to call it a first gen room um, because it wasn't just a bunch of lock boxes and things. I, I don't remember if there were any. There may have been one or two. Um, but like the, um, some of the stuff, it was just like, you know, the, the, the man that you're maybe adjusting his limbs and stuff, it's just sort of like this wooden man, you know, like yeah. it was, some of the stuff was a little like low tech, especially for 60 out. Yeah. And also once again, this room does have a problem where if you are colorblind, you there's will be a, a significant number, disadvantage. Yeah. There's a number of things. What was interesting about this room and we didn't even know when we went in it is um it's actually um considered a difficult room it's yeah, supposed it's, to be one of their one it's of considered their hard, hard and they do give you 75 minutes yeah which we didn't even know <laughs> we still blazed through it in like half an hour yeah we still blazed through it and he's like oh you had, you would have had 75 minutes and we're like oh really like we were operating under the assumption that we yeah. you know didn't <laughs> but i mean they have some cool set pieces in here like they mm-hmm. do have a giant kind of like cryptex yeah. Kind of thing where you can spin the letters and like line it up for so that's kind of like a combination lock, but it's mm-hmm. it's cool but, because it's it's, it's bigger. Theme. It's yeah. a big thing. And it's on theme, right? Like that's a very Da Vinci-esque thing. You know, and I do I do disagree with you. I think that the Vitruvian Man was cool. I don't see how else you could do that and incorporate that with the movie yeah. arms. I just think that it could have been done a little bit better mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like its its functionality because he's got four arms and four legs. But only two arms and two legs move. Yeah, it'd and be even, nicer if like even the ones that move, they they like they didn't. And I think that they're that was, stiff, and you had to get them. They're very finicky. You had to get it just dead on, and it's like yeah. And I, like I said, we said this is an older room, and I think there were some signs of like the room's aged a bit, you know. Yeah. And especially like I I give credit to um, escape room owners because I know how hard people are on these rooms and stuff. And yeah. you guys are probably replacing stuff all the time. I know we did a room not too long ago and afterwards the the game master called us um, and was like, did you guys accidentally take one of the key cards? And we're like, we most definitely did not. It's yeah. got to be in the room. Um, we're not sure where in the room. But and like, that was when we did a group of there. six people and like, yeah. I made everyone turn out the pockets like six times. Yeah, like, prove and it we to were me. like, no, we definitely didn't. So it's, it's there somewhere, but it was probably just, you know, blending into something or, or slipped under something. God knows. Yeah, I got yeah. kicked under something. Yeah. Oh. But um, so eventually the room does open up mm-hmm. to a second room. And this second room I thought was really the gem of the entire experience uh-huh. because it looks like you're in an outside little courtyard. Very tiny, by the way. We're talking like yeah. the average person's closet. Mm-hmm. That, like you can maybe barely step inside. That's how big this little room is. But what's so cool is that they do have like a starlit sky uh-huh. with like constellations up there. And so they have... A fun constellation puzzle. I won't say how you're supposed to get through it, but you looked at it and you're like, nope, that's all you got. Yeah, I didn't understand it. I, I still don't think I understand it. Like, I was just like, you're going to have to do this. Like, it doesn't look like anything to me. So I've always been good about drawing those shapes in my mind. Uh-huh. So, because when we were on a honeymoon, we got to go out and see constellations. And the thing is, those people who show the constellations to others, they usually have that really cool laser pointer that goes mm-hmm. out into the sky. So, you're like, oh, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. But I know a lot of other people 
or like if you point at something like okay sure and they, they don't see what yeah, you're talking yeah, about exactly. I, I usually do see what he's pointing at um, so I was like okay I got it so this is Scorpio that's Sagittarius you know um, but yeah that was very fun uh, they do have another one that's a bit more religious based mm-hmm. for like another room. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, and, and all those puzzles were good. They were brain teasery. Which yeah. I enjoyed. Yeah. Very brain teasery. You know, especially one near the end where it deals with a religious theme and the 12 apostles. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember exactly how it went. It was it was a type of logic puzzle. It like, was like so he sits next, to, next him. to him. Yeah. He, he has beef with him. So he wants to sit away, you know. Yeah. Which is pretty typical. Um, I think the the main problem we had with this room was um, the end puzzle, the very final puzzle. And this was an example that I think we we just, around that time, we saw this a couple times in a few rooms. And that is that you really need to word your clues and and your instructions for things properly. Like, word choice is very important. Words matter, yeah. Yeah, and in this case, like, simply changing one word would have made this so much better mm-hmm. but the way they had worded it it was just like i i don't know what you're asking me to do i don't know what i'm supposed to do i don't know what's expected of me like right it really threw us for a loop and you might say oh well you know they've got to make it challenging but like this was like the way they had it written was nonsensical basically <laughs> right so i'm going to try to not spoil this as much as i can mm-hmm. but i kind of have to say the exact wording for part of it to like have it make sense for this conversation so it's a you get to the final door and it's like oh jk it's actually so locked you thought mm-hmm. it was gonna be that easy it's not and then it says you have to play this little game of you have to follow these three instructions first instruction take me second instruction do this third instruction do that yeah and so when it said take me i'm like oh so i have to like pick this thing up mm-hmm. i have to like maybe hold it up to the light to see through it or like maybe this fits somewhere. So I'm trying to remove this thing off the wall. This like plaque almost. That is like bolted and taped down because clearly everyone else thinks the same thing. Yeah. Which because is, which it is says, your first indication that maybe you have a problem with your instructions. Yeah. Because it says take me. Yeah. If I'm in an Alice in Wonderland room and something says eat me, I don't think it's insulting me. Yeah. <laughs> I think it means put me in your mouth and chew. You yeah. know? <laughs> so I'm trying to take it and I'm constantly saying to you like... This does not feel right. Mm-hmm. We know that it's the, what is it, like the two-finger strength rule. Yeah. This is... And this I'm, is clearly not meant to be moved. This is not meant to be moved. But we're sitting there just like, what could it mean, take me... And I was like, maybe it means take me, for example. Like, yeah. okay, so take me. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a plaque on a wall. What are you going to do about it? And, like, but what, and you said to me, like, how is that helpful? This does nothing for us. So eventually we had to ask for like a good amount of clues. Like mm-hmm. the, the He had to really spell it out for us. The game master at that point became a practiced uh, endodontist because mm-hmm. he pulled so many teeth trying yeah. to get us to follow that logic stream. But eventually we got it and we were like, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and basically what it was telling you to do, once again, trying not to be too spoily, is it was telling you to take something else in the room that had the same name. Yeah. But because it said, take me... It was like, I, I, I don't, like, yeah. oh, you mean this thing over it's here like, that we used before? Like, yeah, like, what, if the know, thing had a picture of a snake on it, you're supposed to then go find the snake somewhere else in the room. Like, uh-huh. how am I supposed to figure that out? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, just, like, a, a simple, like, one-word change would have made that so much clearer. Find me. 
exactly find instead of take find me just change take to find it's still four letters you know yeah same amount of vowels yeah <laughs> and think... right there you won't have people trying to rip this off because it'll be clear that they don't mean take this or how much this, money would we save know? them in in repair costs i know right right there you know <laughs> just change four little letters but i mean overall the puzzles in here are enjoyable mm -hmm. uh i do feel that yes it is kind of but a lot of the puzzles are second generation the idea of a logic puzzle of this person sits next to him but doesn't like fish <laughs> yeah. you know meanwhile this guy loves to eat fish so his breath will ward off that guy like that that feels like a second or third generation mm -hmm. like when we did that one that was the uh i forget the company but that san diego one that like budapest budapest oh, yeah, express that chain yeah um they had a logic puzzle at the end and i was like this feels like a time waster yeah because if you're not good at these, this will take you forever. Mm -hmm. The room itself was not hard, except for that part of the end and then the very last part. Yeah, yeah. I think that, and once again, different mindsets could have different strokes of insight. Yeah. If we had a full 16 person there, maybe someone would have been like, oh, well, what if we just go find the snake? You know, but because it's two people who have already gone through all the other puzzles. like uh -huh. you know. That's another thing we never talk about, by the way. One of the benefits to having multiple people in a room, even though not everyone gets to do as many puzzles, mm -hmm. everyone stays fresher for puzzles because True, yeah. puzzles do kind of wear on your mind after time. You can argue like, oh, well, you got like a groove going, you got like a momentum building, but also like my mind's kind of tired from like doing this puzzle, that puzzle. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of like, you do have sort of the, the kind of group think of people looking at things in different ways mm -hmm. than the rest of, you know, so the way, you know our one friend might look at something as totally different than our other friends. Um, but you also can, you know, run into that group uncertainty where it's like, well, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I mean, if you don't know, I don't yeah. know. You know what I mean? So you, it's you a real can run into sword. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think one of the problems we, once again, something that we at that time ran into a couple times around that, right around that time period, um, was when we would have our full group, we would breeze through these rooms so quickly mm -hmm. that it was kind of like you felt a little sad at the end of the room because you're like, oh, well, that's it. And yeah. it's probably a fine room. It's just because we had our full, you know, six players, we would just, you know, like everyone would <laughs> split up and like conquer their puzzle and we'd be done. You know? And then usually <laughs> the conversation afterwards wasn't what's your favorite puzzle. It's like, what was the deal with the pink bunnies? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how did we even solve that? How did we get out of there? Was that a thing? Yeah, that was the thing that I took care of it. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, one of the ones we talked about um, not too long ago was when we did Red Giant. Oh, yeah. And that was a room we had been looking forward to for so long. And I'm not saying it doesn't live up to its hype. It is a beautiful room. But, like, we finished that room so quickly that it was just, like, oh, that's it? Like, yeah. there's, I, I was literally expecting another room to open, and it was the end, you know? <laughs> also, can you imagine if we did separate, because we did bench all stay together, especially for that one climactic moment? <laughs> yeah. What if I was the only one left out? What if I just didn't quite make the door? Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, I... Guess I'll just wait here then. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going in there? You know. <laughs> but overall, I, I mean, once again, 60 out, you still entertain. Mm -hmm. You still amaze, especially with your design and your theming. I think that's what they have their strongest suit in is how well they theme things. Yeah. I just, I think the, the way, one thing I always tell people about 60 out is they're different. Their locations are all different. Um, in yeah. fact, they're owned by different people. Each yeah. location is owned by different people. Um, so that there is a lot of difference between them. And so you just have to kind of accept that. Like 
you have to accept that not every room is going to be Jumanji. Not every room right. is going to be Hyde Circus. The different locations have maybe uh, different strengths. Um, also, some of the locations have newer rooms. And, you know, newer rooms are, they're always trying to top themselves, right? Yeah. So your newer rooms are probably going to be better. Um, but so just kind of understand that when you're going to 60 hours. So really what we're saying is go to the Melrose location and the Temple Street location. <laughs> yeah. Because those are the ones that we enjoyed the most. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's plenty of other good ones in some of the other locations, but those yeah. are the two locations I think that had the most consistent uh, enjoyment for Yeah, us. I mean, when people first ask me about 60 Out, I always tell them that I believe it's the Silver Lake location. Like, you can't go wrong with any of those rooms. That's true. You know, that's they're very true. all good. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Okay, so that's going to wrap us up for this uh, Escape Room Report. We now have a special news section. Mm -hmm. We have our friend Chris, who um, he himself is a bit of an entrepreneur. He likes to do 3D printing and make kind of game accessories. And he's also really big into checking out the Kickstarter scene. Yes, he is. He's quite games. the Kickstarter. So uh, we now have a new section we're going to call Chris's Kickstarter Corner. <laughs> All right, guys. So this is a new section that we're trying out uh, for this month. Uh, we have with me my good friend Chris. He's actually been on uh, a few of our episodes before, including even with Movie Date Night when we did the Little Shop of Horrors episode. Um, he is one of my best friends. He was a groomsman and best man at my wedding and, you know, just overall part of my A-team when it comes to playing games and doing escape rooms. So, And he's here to talk to us about Kickstarters, uh, kind of an unexplored section in our podcast normally for our games, but... He's kind of more of the expert than I am, so let's uh, welcome him and see what he has to say. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Um, I'm Chris, uh, as uh, Greg introduced me. Um, basically, I've been in Greg's inner circle for about four or five years now. So Has yeah. it been that long? Jeez. Definitely. Uh, I think he... Yeah, yeah. I think I want to blame Greg on my uh, board game addiction too, because I never really played him until I got in the group. I so. am an infection vector. Yeah, I am definitely a vector of that. Yeah. So, um, Chris, tell us about, just so we can get to know you, what kind of games do you like in general? Are you a card game guy, a miniatures guy? Is there kind of overall genre too that you tend to gravitate towards more than most? Uh, I tend to gravitate more towards like uh narrative games uh storytelling games anything like that um something that like in basically not just like drawing cards or rolling dice but actually has something behind it mm -hmm. like more than just that mechanics i guess i like mechanics too but overall anything yeah i i would definitely say that i think you and i both are big into narrative and stories uh in fact we even used yeah the narrative of a legacy game for Clank to help propose to your fiance Christiana. So that was quite enjoyable, trying to weave yep. that into the actual game itself. Yeah, that was uh, fun yet nerve-wracking <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> but it went well. But okay, so let's talk Kickstarters. Um, I've been on the site a couple times, so I get the premise and how it works. But um, can you can you kind of in a short little thing just break down kind of what is Kickstarter for maybe those listening who are completely foreign to the idea of it? Um, Kickstarter is a crowdfunding site. Um, now there's also GameFound, 
um, basically publishers or indies, um, they'll put their project up with the hopes of funding and producing what they're trying to sell. So it's basically like a pre-order system. Um, uh, it used to be a lot more indie stuff and now lately it's becoming more essentially just a pre-order system. Like you have big companies uh, putting their products up there even though they don't need to because you know they're gonna you know they're gonna produce the game. So they just offer like incentives for people to back it at the beginning, I guess. And what kind of incentives are those? Because I mean, I think a lot of us have heard the term stretch goals, but like what kind of things typically come along with that? Yeah, stretch goals. Um, usually it's like maybe uh, you get the first expansion for free or you get like extra minis or like Kickstarter exclusive ones um, like Simon, uh, which I'll I'll talk about. Um, it's cool mini or not. Um, basically, their stretch goals are ridiculous and end up being like six extra boxes that you get. Oh, wow. I haven't got one like from them yet, but I I backed uh, Marvel United X-Men. Um, and I believe it comes with like a couple extra boxes of minis and characters. So, so really, it's kind of like a pre-order system for board games if you do the bigger guys. But like you said, you can get even more content than you can just pick up off the shelf of Target or something like that. Yeah, and then you could also possibly get it early um, with the shipping stuff that's going on right now. Sometimes that's not true. Sometimes stores will get it earlier than you now, mm. but that's it's still uncommon. So. so giving just a last little bit of background for you, what do you think is one of your favorite games that you've gotten that you helped to kickstart? Uh, that's a hard one. Um so far there's a couple of games that i didn't back originally but i was able to pick up a kickstarter version um definitely um solomon kane which came out last year i believe it was kickstarted i think 2019 or something it took a really long time um but that game is it's pretty amazing um it's very story driven um and it has a lot of really cool mechanics in it um i have madara which is another story-driven RPG that I have way too many that I need to play through. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I'm still waiting on a bunch from like the last couple years that haven't come in yet uh, that are supposed to be shipping. Well, let's talk about those because that was going to be one of my other topics um, or questions for you. Tell us about some of the Kickstarters that have shown up on your radar in the past couple of years, but maybe we're still waiting for. Uh, well, one of the biggest right now is uh, Frosthaven. Um, it's the oh, I've heard about the video game sequel for that. to Gloom- Gloomhaven. Yeah, it's the essential the sequel to Gloomhaven. Um, they basically created another game called Frosthaven. Uh, it has extended mechanics that they're expanding on Gloomhaven, but it's a different story, but in the same universe. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the box is going to be larger than the Gloomhaven box, which is pretty crazy. Also ridiculous. <laughs> that, yeah, the Gloomhaven. Yeah. Like, yeah, goodbye shelf space. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that one, um, I looked it up. It, it Kickstarter uh, was $13 million, which is, wow. I think it today is still the largest Kickstarter, um, like, crowdfunding campaign. 
So how, uh, for anything, I think even like non-board games stuff. So do you recall how much that was off the top of your head for like the base like box for this, or did they say uh, like what the base contribution would be to get a box? The base, I believe, was a hundred dollars. Okay, so thirteen million. Yeah, that's that's yeah. now you can get a sense for how many people backed this. Like you said, if it's if it's a big brand company, they're going to get the backing. Yeah. Yeah, um, but that that one's been hit with like a lot of delays, um, basically because they're producing it. So like that much content, I think they have like over a hundred scenarios, which is a lot of components. Probably, yeah, probably near twice as big as the Gloomhaven campaign or something like that. Yeah, a lot of components. Yeah. What are some of the other ones that have been on your radar from the past couple of years that we might still be waiting to see come to fruition? Um, one of the ones that I backed a really long time ago, Wonderland's War. It's based off the Alice in Wonderland. Um, oh, that's awesome. Like IP. Um, it's like a, I think it's a bag building. Um, yeah, I think there's dice involved too. Um, you basically are competing for area control. Um, the mechanics look great. Um, I watched some videos of people playing it. Um, the components look amazing. Um, the only problem is I think the the global shipping thing i think they're holding out waiting for a cheaper to price mm. um but i believe it's now on ships and heading towards towards us i don't know there's it, they're not very good at communicating um i forgot who did that one i believe that might be skybound so if you go and back one of these if you sign on to the kickstarter and you back it do you typically get emails letting you know what the progress is because technically you're almost like an investor in this mini franchise it seems yeah that's uh one of the things that like if you uh if you put money towards a kickstarter like you can put a dollar in and still be a backer um and you get um you get regular updates when they actually do them um you most board game companies will do like once a month they'll update you on like the progression as far as production wise and all that stuff um there's some that don't, which people have issues with. Um, I know one of the biggest ones is, uh, well, it's still going on, um, Kingdom Death Monster, um, which I actually just got the core box a, like a month ago. Mm. Um, but they their Kickstarter started, I think, two years ago, and people have just been waiting for like new content because the game's been out for longer than that. They just did a reprint. Um, so I got like the reprinted core box, but there's other expansions that are still in progress and there's, they don't communicate very well. Like they're, they say that they're going to do monthly, but they don't. So yeah, there's a lot of issues with stuff like Listen, that. Listen, I get that. I always try to hop on and try to do the social media maybe once every year or two. <laughs> I say I'm going to do it. I do it for a month and I just, oh, this, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> yeah. People just get mad because they put their money into it, but with Kickstarter, they stay they say straight up front that rewards aren't guaranteed. So even if like they don't pay or or they don't like send you something that they said they would, I'm not exactly sure of how you go about that. I think you actually have to get like legal representation wow. to get money back or something. So it really is yeah. a trust system of like I'm giving you this twenty dollars with the understanding that you will then later yeah. remember to send me this. Okay. Essentially, yeah, because I like I, I have another one. Like it's a it's a comic book that I backed like five or six years ago. I'm still waiting on. Now, so. what about failed Kickstarters? 
if you have a Kickstarter that has a goal of, let's say, 50000 and it doesn't meet that, what happens to those people's monies? Uh, no one gets charged. Uh, they don't charge until after the campaign's done. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. That's good to know, too, yeah. because like I said, I'm kind of barely new to this entire system anyway, so that's a wonderful for me to know that like it's not fully a risk necessarily that yeah. if it does it looks cool but you're not sure it's going to get backed if it doesn't then you'll get it back okay that's good um yeah so that's looking... why it's not like some people don't get like indie titles because of that because it's a new person they don't know if they're going to actually come through you know true so. true i guess yeah reputation is a big part of this community um for sure so it is the new year this episode's going to come out in early january so are there any Kickstarters on your radar that are possibly not up yet at coming down the pipeline for 2022? Yeah, so I've been uh, looking at this. Uh, I'm going to try to ease on my Kickstarter uh, like spending because I have a lot of money tied up as it is right now with uh, Kickstarters I haven't released yet. Um, but definitely I'm going to look at um, a game called Final Girl. Um, it actually was Kickstarted two years ago. Um, and uh, they're doing another release of it, like a pre a sequel to it. They're adding more uh, uh, movie boxes. So basically the whole game is, it's a solo-only game, so, I mean, it only works if you're going to play it solo. I guess you could play it cooperatively. Oh, interesting. You would just have to control the same character. But essentially you're playing, like, um, the heroine of a horror movie, and you go and you basically fight, fight or escape the like the villain of a horror movie and it's very modular so you can like choose your final girl you can choose your movie and you can choose your location they could all be different so it kind of changes up like adds more replayability to it um but they had like i think six movie boxes in the first one and they're adding i think maybe six more to this one but you'll be able to like back the original campaign as well with this one too so so that comes out i believe yeah, January 11th, I think, is when it comes to Kickstarter. I'm looking at the so page right now, actually. and yeah, this looks amazing. Like, the artwork is fantastic. It looks horrifying in terms of some of the monsters and villains they have here. And yeah, if, if you guys are horror fans, definitely check out Final Girl. It's become very popular, apparently, in the solo community. So That's another thing, too. Which yeah, right sometimes you, you, you just need a good solo game to play with yourself if uh, yeah. no one else is uh, available for game night. That's a good point. Especially with COVID right now, it's very hard to get game groups. So if you are really into board games and want to play a game by yourself, definitely look into games that offer solo. That's for sure. Fantastic. Um, another one that's coming out is a uh, uh, it's a Zombicide game. It's a uh, it's actually under the Marvel IP, so it's gonna be Marvel Zombies. Oh, I've heard of that um, comic book storyline when it came like out the, years and years ago. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, I think they're actually going to make a TV series based on Marvel Zombies. But there was a recently on a Disney Plus or whatever, they had a episode of What If where it was Marvel Zombies, which is actually a pretty hilarious episode. <laughs> but uh so yeah, they're they're making a Zombicide with the Marvel IP and basically the the difference is you're going to be playing as the zombies mm. rather than playing as like the humans fighting off the zombies, you're going to be the zombies fighting off the humans. Which is, I guess, something different, but I'll have to look at the campaign to see because I already have two zombicides here, and they're kind of like massive. To <laughs> That's the thing. You the always go for the big boxes, yeah. So, like you said, <laughs> goodbye shelf space. 
Yep, pretty much. Yeah. Um, there's a couple others. Uh, Dark Quarter, who's um, if you if if anyone's played Destinies by Lucky Duck Games, um, me and you have played mm-hmm. it a couple times, I believe. Um, their Lucky Duck is um, they're collaborating with Van Ryder Games, who may actually made Final Girl. Um, they're gonna make a game based in like the 1980s and it's gonna be a horror themed game but it's gonna be built off like the destiny system so like so exploration using an app and all that stuff so yeah definitely something that i'm probably gonna be looking at when it comes out um i'm not sure when that's gonna come out though they just kind of released some details on it but it should be coming out to like crowdfunding at least this year so that's something to look at Another game that's getting another sequel is called Tidal Blades. Um, that one was released, I think, last year. Uh, they're getting a sequel one to that. Um, the original one was like a kind of like a tournament style game where you build up your dice, uh, dice and card drafting, and you kind of do a bunch of different things. Uh, I think you battle each other um, to basically claim victory. Um, the sequel is going to be more of like a narrative-driven campaign game which i mean the art for that game looks amazing um Mm -hmm. so i'm kind of interested in that one the first one didn't really interest me because of the mechanics but the narrative driven is probably going to drive me to look at that one definitely yeah even the game boards and the sections have a very title kind of water theme flow to them that i'm enjoying looking at it's like just just even looking at the boards and like their unique shapes is is yeah, the artwork Enjoyable. and components were really good for the first one. I, I didn't get it, but I definitely saw a bunch of people get it. So, yeah, definitely something to look out for. Especially if you like the water or ocean theme. Yeah, this looks fantastic. It almost kind of reminds me, uh, just on a quick look of it, um, of this PS1 game, Chrono Cross. That was very kind of ocean-based with its storytelling mechanics too. So just kind of reminiscent of that, but fantastic find, yeah. Mm, probably one more I'm looking at um, is a, a game called Kingdoms Forlorn. Um, it's by, I believe, Into the Unknown. Um, that one's going to be another dungeon crawler storytelling game. Um, it's, ma- it's made by the creators of the people who are doing... Um, and Aeon Trespass Odyssey, which is essentially like a clone almost of Kingdom Death in a way. Like it has some of the same mechanics, but also it has different ones. Okay. Um, that one's definitely a big one. Um, that one was crowdfunded, I think, two years ago. And I think they're supposed to be delivering that one in a couple months. Oh, so pretty soon. Um, nice. Yeah, at least the the first first wave, it's going to be like the core box. Um, but it's it's a really expansive game. Uh, it's crazy how much that one's grown because when it originally was on Kickstarter, I think it was like a hundred hundred and dollars for the core box, and now on GameFound you could still late back it. I think for at least the next month, you can late back it for like two hundred fifty dollars wow. now or something. Yeah, and that's not even their final price. It'll probably jump up to at least three hundred. Oh my goodness! Is something like that? even available in a normal store like where would i find that if i missed the kickstarter no uh i don't think that one's gonna go to like normal stores at all um probably just buying it either from their website or in the campaigns i guess it's kind of like kingdom death where it's like only a limited 
are only a lot like you can only buy it on their website okay so if um, so pretty much if i see this on kickstarter and it's too late to back it just note who produced it and find their website there <laughs> yeah or find it on second on market for probably twice as much or something true like uh yeah i got i just recently got the uh townsfolk tussle game Mm-hmm. Which was kickstarted a couple couple years ago, I believe, or actually, yeah, I think twenty nine. That's the one that kind of looks like uh, Cuphead, right? Yeah. yeah, it's also like a boss battler. It's kind of like uh, Kingdom Death Light because <laughs> there's no uh, civilization, <laughs> right? Um, but like some of the mechanics are similar because they have like boss AI cards and stuff like that, and terrain you can mess with. Um, but that one, I think it was like eighty dollars for the core box, but I've seen them going on eBay for like $300, but they're doing yeah, another, so, um, they're going to do a reprint, I think this year and it's going to be on Kickstarter and I think they might do like expansions. So it's like, maybe I should sell my copy and there's your business wait. opportunity. Just buy Kickstarters <laughs> and sell them for three times their value a year later. All right. Well, this yep. has been fun. Thank you so much for coming by for your first installment of Chris's Kickstarter corner. Chris, we hope to have you on again very soon, if not as a regular thing. Um, yep. I, you do have a online store that we mentioned at the top where you do um, 3D printing of game accessories. Do you want to plug that or any other projects that you have? Uh, sure. Um, yeah, I, uh, my shop on Etsy is called uh, Unknown Fear Creations. Um, I create uh, board game like holders, contain, like um, different things for um, lots of different board games, uh, 3D print, and also I create... Um, class uh, tokens as well so to replace the cardboard tokens and stuff too um basically you could just uh if you look up uh board game tokens they'll probably be pretty near on the list so um that again is unknown fear creations on etsy awesome thank you very much thank you once again for joining us chris and can't wait to see you for the next game night yep thanks for having me well, that was uh, quite the enjoyable uh, educational experience. There's yeah. always so many new things online. Yeah, and you really have to like pick and choose if you're going to invest in them or not. It's you know? kind of like you can never read all the books. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, which ones catch your eye to like really follow? You know? Yeah. Uh, but you know, always going to be some winners. Always going to be some not so winners. I don't want to say losers, <laughs> but you yeah. know what I mean. Uh, but let's finish this up for this month with our Friday favorites. I will let you and baby go first for a Friday favorite. <laughs> um, so my Friday favorite is actually um, was a Christmas gift. Oh. Um, and it was kind of a surprising one because, uh, you know, we had talked about it, and, but I knew it was hard to find. And so I didn't have, like, great expectations that I would actually get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the Ticket to Ride train uh, track switcher. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of this little single-player um, game very travel friendly Mm -hmm. um it's all kind of self-contained um in the board and it's kind of made so that like the pieces don't fall off so it's it's a good one to play like in the car or on on a plane yeah it actually does have pegs to help hold it in yeah um and basically it is a ticket to ride um logic puzzle where Mm -hmm. you have um kind of these three tracks and you are you know have different setups for okay you're going to start with you know, your cabooses and your, your train engines over here. And then eventually you need to get them to this point in this order. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to figure out how to do that. 
Um, and the game gives you kind of like a suggested amount of moves for how it should take, and you get scored based on how many moves it takes. Right, and it does give you the solution for what is the quickest possible uh-huh, yeah. uh, route, but I mean, it's kind of just a like a brain teaser. Yeah, you know? exactly. So there's no losing. No. It's just like, oh, well, this room for improvement. Yeah, exactly. And you couldn't quite do it in three moves as opposed to four or five. Yeah. But it's definitely a very fun game. The only issue I had with it is um, sometimes the little trim neath gets like a little stuck. Yeah, and also know. like it, it took me a while to kind of feel out how to move the trains. Like that takes a little bit of practice, you know. Yeah. But um, other than that, it's really enjoyable. Yeah, it's really fun, and it's it's just like a nice little like brain teaser, keeping your mind fresh, you know. Um, like one of the things I do a lot um, when I kind of even when we're watching TV sometimes is I play um, um, Potion Explosion, the app. Because it's just sort of this little mindless thing that I can do with my hands. Right. You know what I mean? I get that. Um, I, I would probably do Ticket to Ride, but like it's too small on a phone. So. <laughs> do they? I guess they do have that on a mobile. They version. do have it on a phone, but like that just. But well, also like the a... problem, as we know, for those is like you might put something. Oh, I didn't mean to do that, and the game's oh, like no, yeah. t- no takes. I have done that occasionally, even with Potion Explosion. I remember sucks. one time I went to go visit my parents, and you were down here. And we were playing digitally like that. And you're like, I didn't mean to do that. And like, I would normally let you take it yeah. back. But the game is being a harsh mistress right yeah. now. How about you? Um, funny that you mentioned your Christmas gifts for mm-hmm. games. Because my Friday favorite is one of your Christmas gifts. Or not Christmas gifts, actually. It was a birthday gift. Um, that Because your birthday is so close to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been eager to play this game for a long time. And I finally got you a copy. Ice and Mystics. Ah, uh, yes. I'm a big RPG guy. <laughs> I love them so much. I mean, of course, you and I will paint those yes. at some point. We haven't had a chance to really mm. lately, but um, I'm willing to play it unpainted. It's fine. I mm. think it's a fun game. It, that's just an extra little layer of flavor. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's a good, um, it's a good starter RPG. And it's also um, one that you can play with kids. So it'll probably be one of the first RPGs we introduce our kid to when they're old enough. Yeah, obviously that and stuff fables. Yeah, obviously you know that we might wait until they can read and stuff like that first, but or learning to. <laughs> yeah, but you well, that know. that actually be really good because it'd be good practice for them. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, let's read. Yeah, you read it out loud. So it's nice to kind of start building up some of these games that we know that at, at some point are in the not so far future. You know, not that's to a say good, our, that's a good way to put it. You know, our kids hopefully will be able to play all the games we have. But in the not-so-far future, here's something. More likely our kids would be like, board games are stupid. And I'd be like, you're <laughs> not mine. No. Get I, out. Yeah. If anything, our kid will be like the one who uh, doesn't want to play sports because neither of us are sport people. <laughs> or the only sports that they play are like, you know, tabletop football. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they have a good version of that, I yeah. bet. All right, I think that's going to wrap us up for mm-hmm. this uh, month. I Thank you so much for enjoying uh, the episode with us, for joining us, and we will see you guys next time. Music for this episode was provided by TwinMusicCom.org. As always, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. However, rates and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated as it really helps me listeners find our podcast. We can be found at Game Friday on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, come talk games with us. Thanks for listening and goodbye.